Thank you for joining IAB Dare. And now your host, Orchid Richardson. Over to you, Orchid. Thanks. Good afternoon. It's July 16, 2020, and welcome to IAB There. I'm Orchid Richardson, VP Measurement and Engagement for IAB Tech Lab and a general manager of IAB's Programmatic and Data Center. Thank you for joining IAB There, our daily live stream in which we connect the digital advertising ecosystem. Today's show topic is benefits and challenges of moving programmatic in-house with our special guest, Scott Tiemann, Programmatic Services Global Lead at Accenture Interactive, and GSK's Scott Grins, VP, Global Head of Media. Scott Tiemann is the Chief Architect and Global Lead responsible for Accenture Interactive's Programmatic Services. He works with Fortune 500 companies across all industries enabling brands to better communicate with and serve their customers through data-driven, personalized marketing experiences that drive serious business outcomes at scale and speed. He continues to build Accenture Interactive's business, working with clients around the world and expanding the company's global footprint. He also leads Accenture Interactive's global partnership efforts. He's on the board of directors at FE Worldwide, which sets the standard for marketing effectiveness globally. He was also a 2019 Ad Week 50 honoree. Scott Grins is VP Global Head of Media at GSK. He provides global strategic leadership and vision for media as the company strives to become a leader in the industry. Scott is a seasoned media expert with more than 25 years of global experience. At GSK, he has consistently driven effectiveness and innovation across media channels and led the development and execution of many integrated programs with leading media companies and media agencies delivering on brand and corporate strategies. Please welcome Scott G and Scott T. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Hello. Um, I'm, I'm excited to have both of you online with me today. Um, as many people know, IAB's Programmatic Data Center has partnered with Accenture Interactive um, for more than three years on studying the evolving trends of brands bringing programmatic in-house or insourcing programmatic. The full report um, on in the international report on programmatic in-housing is scheduled to be released in the next couple of weeks. But Scott T and I thought it'd be great if they could sit down with Scott G and really talk about some of the U.S. insights that will be, um, will be shown in the report coming up. So Scott T, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you so much, Orchid. Let, let's maybe get into it by looking at the first slide, if that's okay. Scott Grenz, we'll bring you into the conversation just uh, just a second. Sounds good. Great. So what I wanted to do up front is just share some insights from the latest research that Orchid has talked about. Uh, this report builds on the inaugural U.S. research from 2018. So what's really cool is we now have year-over-year year data to be able to compare and contrast trends. And it's important to mention that while today we're focusing on the U.S., the research was conducted globally. So there are additional reports. Those are going to be coming out uh, very soon, as Orchid, Orchid talked about. So just to set the stage, let's get into what do we mean by programmatic. Uh, I think that's important for this conversation. So. It's important that we've got that, that context in our head. 
So by programmatic, we're referring to the automated buying of digital display and video ads, and we're excluding search. So keep, keep that in mind. We're focused on display and video ads, and we're excluding search. And by this definition, U.S. programmatic ad spending should exceed $70 billion in this year alone. And it might even be much higher, though we know that uh, with everything going on in the world, the, the environment's a little uncertain. But what we know is that it really represents the majority of, of overall U.S. digital ad spend, and it's expected to climb for the foreseeable future. So that's programmatic in a nutshell. Now, what do we mean by in-housing? Well, by in-housing, we mean a company operating some or all of that capability required to plan and buy programmatic media. And when I'm talking about capability, I don't just mean the skill sets that a person might own to operate the capability. I'm also talking about the technology and data operating model and beyond in addition to the, to the talent. So that, that's sort of the context for, for the report. And maybe we can get into the findings from the research. Can we go to the next slide, please? Great. So what you're seeing here is the extent to which companies are bringing programmatic buying in-house. And there's a couple of things that really stand out for me. Uh, first, programmatic in-housing is not all or nothing. It's really more shades of gray. And so that's why you're seeing four different categories here laid out on, on the screen. The other thing that might be surprising to you is that about 80% of companies have are, are on the journey to in-housing in, in some respect or another. And about 69% of US companies have really stuck with it over time. And in Europe, that's even higher in the EU, across all the different markets, that comes out at about 74%. So that, that's a huge takeaway. Most companies have, are, are on this journey, have given it a go, they've thought about bringing and have actively brought some of that capability in-house. In and interestingly, over the past year, we've seen an uptick in the number of companies who have not only partially moved their capability in-house, but are planning to stick with it for, for now. But we haven't seen as much movement on the extreme. So for companies that are completely in-house or completely in-source, that stayed about the same, but we're seeing more companies uh, taking part of the capability in-house. In so let me, let me bring Scott Grentz into this conversation because I'm really excited to hear about uh, what he's been doing at GlaxoSmithKline. Uh, Scott, GSK has been on an in-housing journey for the past few years now. And that might surprise some people who might think that in-housing is something that you just do once, maybe it takes a couple of months, uh, and, and then you're done with it. But I think your journey uh, is really indicative of what uh, many companies are going through. So could you, could you share a bit about where your journey started and how it's unfolded over the past couple of years? Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Thanks, Scott. So I think for us before 2017, and I won't go into great detail about what's happened between 2017 and today, but I think it's just a good kind of stake in the ground. I think we we came to the conclusion that, you know, for our digital media buying, we really didn't have true transparency into our data. We had no ownership of our data. You know, there's very little uh, that we could do in terms of really kind of 
deconstructing our cost model and, and the ecosystem therein. And so we made a decision at that point to um, work with Google and set up, you know, DoubleClick at the time as our uh, as our as our marketing stack. And so that was an area where, um, you know, back at that time was our kind of first step in that, you know, journey. Um, and that began to show us kind of the promise of us being able to have that visibility into, into our data, into our cost basis as well, to be able to really kind of get underneath and really understand and begin to do some things that today probably seem quite basic around managing uh, viewability to a certain benchmark managing frequency um, to a consumer uh, within an acceptable range um, and, and also things around brand safety as well um, so you know at the time those were fairly big and uh, impactful initiatives that we took on um, and so that was the first step I think in that in that journey that we began to see the possibilities there <clears throat> and then flash forward to the to the following year uh, we did a global agency review. And we were coming from a place where we had multiple agencies and really fine agencies, all the agencies that we've ever worked with the GSK or, or world-class name brand agencies. Um, but the fact of the matter was at that point in time, we had a multi-agency strategy, which as we went through the process, we began to see that in terms of like true end-to-end -end data, you know, kind of supply chain and to be able to kind of really keep track and keep things accurate and just the very basic plumbing. Um, it was one of the reasons why we ended up with a, a single agency model globally, which is, which is Publicis, uh, which we've named that unit platform GSK really is kind of a, a platform approach to kind of how we, how we do media. And what I mean by that is, you know, when we go back talking about that, that agency review process, part of the brief was really on, um, how are you as an agency going to help? Uh, facilitate GSK's ambition to house. At the time, it was just media, programmatic, and uh, and search. And so, you know, all the agencies had brilliant responses, but the one that really resonated the most uh, with us in terms of how we saw it coming together was was public as well. And that wasn't the only factor in our awarding them the business, but certainly it was something that caught our attention. And uh, and as we got through the relationship with them, and we started to really get into you know, kind of war game and what would this actually look like and how do we get it off the ground? They've been really great partners in that regard. So that brings us up to almost current day. Uh, day. Um, I think, um, you know, last year you know, we had plans to get the media aspect of it off the ground anyway by the fourth quarter in the U.S. of last year. So looking at it globally, we're going to pilot it in the U.S. and then in China once we get the U.S. But well, something happened where uh, GSK and got into a joint venture with Pfizer Consumer Healthcare, and we had to join those two companies together. So that put the brakes on, you know, all that stuff. We had a whole, whole bunch of new brands that we had to integrate into GSK um, and all the other things that come along with that. So, so at that point in time, it kind of put things on, on hold. And so, you know, really, you know, kind of taking you right up to today with that, with that journey, uh, what that delay has, has done is actually a blessing in disguise. It's allowed other functions to kind of catch up with where we are in media. So now we're looking at it more holistically and including um, creative versioning and production services as well as media. And for us, media would include would include search. I know your opening comments said we we're talking mostly about programmatic, but our model would be uh, programmatic and search. So that's where we are today. We're very excited to start to get things off the ground and, and it will happen this year. 
Yeah, so that that's really interesting. I mean, so so many different twists and turns, and over a period of time, you, um, there's the strategy you set out with, and then re reacting to the to the all the um, things that happen along the way with the business and the environment overall. Uh, you started to talk a little bit about objectives, and I'd love to explore that a li little bit more with you. Uh, can we go to the next slide, please? Great. So uh, one, one thing we did as part of the, the research is we asked marketers what their top three objectives were for in-housing. And here's, here's what they said. I, I think the results are, are really interesting. Um, so the, the things that um, really stood out is that uh, ROI attribution, cost efficiency, these are the, the top stated objectives for, for in-housing. And where we've seen movement over the past year is that data management has increased by seven points and cost efficiency has increased by, by five points, while cross-channel planning and execution saw the biggest, biggest de decrease. And I guess when I reflect on this, I, I, I think these, these findings seem to suggest that marketers want better accountability. There, there's a supreme focus these days on delivering better business outcomes and in-housing might be one way to be able to do that. Uh, there's uh, marketers really want better transparency into costs and improve economics that translate into larger cost savings in, in this particularly difficult market. And they, they seem to want better access to first party data uh, to give them increased customer insight. And I think that makes sense given where we're at being on the eve of a, a cookie-less future. Um, so, Hearing that, Scott, does that does that seem to resonate with you? Are are these some of your uh, top objectives for for in housing? Sure. So, look, I think your your those top two boxes of you know effectiveness and efficiency are really you know at the end of the day, from a media perspective, those are the things that we're focused on: is how can we put the most effective plans in the marketplace at the best cost. So. Um, it, doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I think for us, we initially got into it um, on cost transparency was one of the things that we were frustrated by, you know, really not being able to have the transparency on our costs and the things that kind of went into those. Um, and what are the things that we felt that we needed in terms of audience building, tagging, so forth, and what are the things that we thought were superfluous. And so for us to really be able to deconstruct that um, started us to be able to provide efficiency back to the organization um, that wasn't your traditional, you know, kind of like for like rate reduction, you know, which is that's, you know, that's a, uh, uh, a tactic that's well brought in the race for zero, if you want to call it. Um, you know, this is a new way for us to show that we can be efficient. That's by removing unnecessary costs via transparency, right? Big, big play for. Um, and then the ownership of data as well back in, at that time was big for us too, because even back then we saw that this was something that we would want to be able to, you know, figure out how to leverage moving forward. And so, um, yeah, right. That gets right to the, uh, the ROI and the effectiveness aspect of things. Cause if, um, if you're able to you know, kind of have visibility over to your data and really begin to, you know, kind of analyze what's working and what's not working, uh, to that next level of detail, it really allows to make sure that you know you're really maximizing things that are working and you're stopping things that aren't um so yeah not surprised that those two things are right 
Sure. And um, if, if those were your, your ambitions from, from the outset, um, how, have you been able to achieve that so far? What, what, uh, how, would you, how would you rate things in, in terms of how you've achieved these objectives? Are, have Absolutely. you been able to do it a little more di- difficult than it sounds? Well, obviously, those are two big challenges that every marketer is faced with. So there's no real easy solution. Um, so I'll, I'll caveat it by, by saying. And also just going back to my, my earlier comment, we haven't, we haven't really pushed the button on truant housing yet. Um, we plan to do that shortly. And that's, as I mentioned, because of the JV that we had with Pfizer. Um, but in terms of the things that we put in place around transparency of cost, around data ownership, um, within the model that we currently have, uh, it has allowed us to really kind of get underneath and really drive effectiveness. Um, and I think that's the one thing where we're starting to see the conversation be kind of flipped a little bit within the walls of GSK and that media as a growth driver, in addition to being an efficiency lever, um, I think is you know, a really important and kind of a watershed moment, I think, for us and my team to be able to have objectives in our annual objectives that aren't just based on how much money we can save the company. It's how can we really drive, drive the business. And I think what we're seeing with, you know, this whole thing with, with COVID, you know, some of our brands uh, that are more germane given the situation that we're in right now, uh, take, you know, Centrum as an example, vitamins that we have that we brought over from Pfizer. That's something where now bring new audiences into the fold. And now the challenge for us is now, once we get back to a steady state, are those new people that we brought in, are we going to be able to maintain them? And I think, you know, without having the visibility and the transparency on your data and cost structures, you know, you're, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of flying a little bit blind. So I think this sets us up having this in place really sets us up nicely as we come out of this and using the Centrum example to have tactics in place that are going to help us retain those new people that we brought into the franchise. Yeah, I love that. That that makes a lot of sense. And you, you've talked a lot about um, your your partners along the way. So may, maybe we could explore that a little bit. Um, did, can we go to the next slide, please? Uh, so what what we're showing here from the research are the different functions that U.S. organizations are are in housing. And you know, as we started the conversation, it's not all or nothing. Um, in fact, most companies are really taking a hybrid approach to in-housing by taking some of those functions in-house while letting a partner handle others. And, and it's clear that the need for agency partnerships still remains, especially in terms of scaling and specialization. Um, in general, the findings that you, you see on the screen here suggest that companies seem to prefer to own the strategic functions as well as their ad tech licenses to build their first party data sets and garner more informed customer insights. But by contrast, companies seem to prefer to leverage a partner for more of the tactical functions and those that require that really specialized, difficult to hire skill sets. Um, so that, that's what we're seeing with the, uh, with the research. Uh, you know, Scott, you talked about sort of the agency review that you did. Uh, how, how are you thinking about how did how did you think about you know what you should be be taking in house and what is better left with a partner and how has that thinking evolved over time? 
Yeah, I mean, I would almost put it a little bit more, um, you know, kind of on the flip, I think. You know, so first of all, I just kind of reiterate, I think we wouldn't be in a position to to push the button on this without, you know, a fully engaged agency partner. And, and Publicis has been, you know, nothing short of that from, from day one. And they're really at stake for our success on this as well. And they're putting specific resources against it, too, to help us get it off the ground to make sure they see it successful. So I think... That to me is if, if you don't have that in your model, you're, you're, I think you're going to struggle. So I think that to me is 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 one thing that's you know kind of uh, kind of paramount. But I would say just in terms of the way that I, that I kind of look at it, and we kind of look at it at GSK is almost I wouldn't say the exact opposite. But what you know, what do we pay? What do we want to pay an agency for? We want to pay them for their brains, for their strategic thought for their thought leadership for their exposure to a broad array of clients for their all the things their intimate knowledge of the of the media marketplace and consumers and and, and all those kind of great things so i'd rather in a world of limited you know limited agency fees um you know i'd rather in-house the things that were more you know kind of automated and and can be more you know kind of executional and then really have better conversations with resources at the agency that are going to help us drive the strategy and drive the brand growth for me, I think that's really where the unlock is going to be for us, is going to be to really kind of elevate what we can get out of our agency partner, because for that same fee, we're getting a, somewhat of a different service. We're getting more strategy. We're getting more stuff that's really going to move the needle for us and not just kind of keeping the trains running on time, which for us is huge. I mean, we're a huge advertisers. We have so many brands, so many units that go out in the marketplace. So the, keeping the, the trains running on time is a huge, huge task. Um, and so if we can take on some of that task, I think it frees up the minds a little bit to help us drive the business. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're, you're almost suggesting that um, the, the way most companies are thinking about it might be a little bit backwards compared to your experience, that they should be focusing more on the, the strategy aspects rather than the more tactical aspects. I mean, that's our model. I'm not saying one's right or right. one's wrong, but in terms of how we're set up and what we need to accomplish um, it just, it made much more sense to us to do it this way and, and how we built our business case, uh, to, to leadership at GSK was based around that. Um, cause if that's, you know, that's, that's anything that we, you know, at the end of the year and we talk, we sit down and kind of chat with our agency partners about what's gone well and what, you know, what we need more of it. We, we always, you know, we, we get great strategic thinking, but we always need more of it. It's never a question of the quality of it. It's usually a question of the volume of it. So can we get more of that? So I think this is really what's going to allow, like I said, allow us to kind of unlock that, uh, unlock that mind space, I think, for our, for our partners. Great. And that must extend to creative as well, because you talked about how you're not just thinking about um, in-housing media, but there's other uh, marketing functions that you think uh, really make sense for um, the, the uh, team within GSK to operate in, in-house so could you, you talk a little bit about that? I know the focus here is, is, is media, but what, what are the other things that really make sense for you? Right, absolutely. So as I said, we also, you know, search is part of our offering as well in-house, still media. On the non-media side, yeah, um, creative version and production are two of the other things that we're bringing in-house. So, you know, as we get more, and it, it makes sense, right? Because if you think about kind of a like, performance marketing SWAT team, or whatever you want to call it that kind of sits within GSK and you have something in there that's like looking at the media the media data can help inform the you know what type of creative that we need and say creative 
environment um, to have those three kind of functions sat together around the same desk. Hopefully, once we get back to normal, we'll be able to at some point. Um, but that's really kind of for us where there's again magic can happen and efficiencies to be had, time to be saved, and just more effective. I think at the end of the day, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for and we really think that this kind of combination is going to be a difference maker and really kind of drive that. So the assets that we put in place are going to be that much more of a perfect match. Makes sense. Uh, so we're getting get near the end here and, um, you know, would really like to thank you for, for joining me today. I guess as we're wrapping up here, before we transition back to, to ORCID, I guess in you know, 30 seconds, what would you say are your key learnings and what advice would you have for the audience who's listening today who may be considering in-housing their, their media or creative or beyond? Sure. I would say, you know, be prepared for a long haul. Um, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. I would say um, first thing to do would be build a really strong business case so that Anybody in a C-suite position can see the benefit, whether it's the CFO or the president of the company or the CMO or head of digital. There's an angle there where they can see that there's a benefit to this. Um, and then, you know, just make sure, have a sponsor, like have a godfather that's going to that's gonna really take an interest in this and going to kind of help make sure it gets shepherded along and gets the resources that it needs. And then just be prepared for just kind of iteration and trial and error and be willing to, you know, kind of, based on the information that you find along the way, be willing to adjust your plans to account for what you learn. I love it. That makes a lot of sense. All right, Gorgon, sure. I think I think we're out of time. So over to you. Yes, thank you, gentlemen, for um, giving life to the US insights from the International Global um, International Programmatic In-Housing Report. Uh, as I mentioned, it will be available within the coming weeks. So hopefully everyone will check it out. Um, I'm particularly grateful for Scott G for giving us insights into how GSK specifically um, has transitioned over time. And hopefully that'll be some, give some really interesting insight for a number of people who are listening today. Um, again, thank you gentlemen for joining us. Just a little Pleasure. housekeeping in terms of tomorrow. Um, on tomorrow's IAB there, I'm excited to be joined by media.net CEO, Vavak Ari as we will have a deep dive into identity, privacy, and contextual in a rapidly changing marketplace. So please tune in for that. Um, IAB There is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our show today will, was produced by Connor Healy, Joe Ants, John Ward, and Tofika Mahundin. And I am Orchid Richardson. Thank you for watching. Come back tomorrow because if it's 2 p.m. Eastern on a weekday, you know it's time for I Be There.